0: listening to Being Built. I'm Aaron Davis, your host. I'm here with J.D. Whitlock. Uh, Welcome to the show.
1: Good afternoon. Glad to be here. So, J.D.,
0: as a kind of a point of intro, you're the CIO of Dayton Children's Hospital. That's how I know you. Um, And you've been involved in leading the local technology industry organization or being part of that, part of the leadership team there. And um, so I've gotten to know you at events and such. Glad to have you uh, here to chat about what you do. Glad to be here. So you were briefing me a little bit on a few of the things that you do. Um, Sounds like you're a busy man. Um, Three, four, five, the list goes on and on. (laughs) We'll we'll hit a couple of things that I I can tell you're really passionate about. But uh, obviously running the technology suite, uh, the whole whole, uh, kind of infrastructure and and the systems at Dayton Children's is, uh, is your bread and butter. Right. And then uh, you do a little healthcare consulting, a little marketing consulting. And right. then you mentioned something about uh, the electoral process electoral reform. reform. That was kind of intriguing. Yeah, we'll uh, talk a, about that. That's a hot item too. So, yeah. So, tell us a little bit about what you're uh, what you're focused on, what you're building these days.
1: Uh, sure. So, I am uh, blessed to uh, be uh, chief information officer at Dayton Shorters. Mm-hmm. It's a um, it's in uh, uh, honor to work in healthcare generally. And then a children's hospital, as yeah. our uh, chief medical officer says, if you can't get behind the mission of a children's hospital, you probably don't have a soul. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. you know, every, every day I can be, if hopefully if I uh, uh, do a better job, then, um, you know, our doctors and nurses can take better care of our patients and uh, the, the sick and sometimes very sick kids in our hospital uh, get yeah. better. And so, um, I've been in healthcare for twenty five years now. Mm-hmm. And I've started out in the Air Force Medical Service. Then uh, I was with uh, Mercy down in um, Cincinnati. And so now, for five years, I've, I've been at Dayton Children's. And so, what that looks like is um, uh, uh, the IT department at Dayton Children's is, is one hundred twenty five people. Okay, And that's roughly split between half and half between what you would, uh, if anybody is in IT, what you would think of as a normal IT department, all the <laughs> normal IT things that would be in other companies that you would recognize from, from other companies, uh, uh, service desk and infrastructure and operations and uh, PMO and cybersecurity, okay. and ERP. Um, and then the other 50% is, as is common in health systems today, are are a team that does heavy configuration on our electronic health record. Yeah, Epic,
0: so like, everybody epic. We, right? like everybody else in the neighborhood. Like everybody else
1: in the neighborhood. Ohio is very heavily Epic, which is great because it makes the interoperability uh, right. a little bit better. Um, You're all all the hospitals locally are training all, the whole workforce. Kettering, Premier, uh, Dayton Children's, really everybody um, of any any health system, any size in. Ohio is is on Epic University Hmm. Hospitals in Cleveland was the last significant uh, system to not be on Epic. And now they're going on. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: news to me. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Um, So uh, what that means is um, there's um, a good um, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, labor around yeah, mm-hmm. some, some, occasionally people will, you know, find an opportunity for that first supervisory position mm-hmm. in another health system and, and people move around a little bit and Epic has a very nice uh, certification, um, system. So if you're, you are certified to work on Epic ambulatory, Epic inpatients, um, you, 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 you understand hiring people that they know what they're doing because they have that certification. Gotcha. Uh, so, um, it, so it's optimization of a platform It's a development platform. So we're not developing software, but it's heavy configuration. Mm. And, um, and uh, the bad thing is Epic gives you enough rope to hang yourself if you're not careful. Mm. So you, there, there are bad implementations of Epic. Um, and, and then it makes it life difficult for the doctors and nurses and other clinicians mm. that are using Epic. Uh, we would like to think that we do a pretty good job at that and uh, backed up by the fact that we, have, we take part in a uh, national survey of EHR satisfaction, mm-hmm. and we score in the ninetieth uh, percentiles. Um, okay, so
0: who's measuring so who in that? In that? Uh, uh, so that survey. is a
1: that is a national collabor- collaborative group that we're a part of that, mm-hmm. that makes sure that the survey is done correctly. Okay, and then you're comparing yourself to other health systems that are taking the same sort hundreds of health systems okay. are doing it. Not everyone's on Epic. Okay, um, but uh, but it's a good it's a good benchmark.
0: Yeah. So right. we
1: have good governance. So we, uh, um, there's always more to do than we have time to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: but we, uh, people that have, for example, I would like to, I would like Epic to do this thing differently. Uh, if you're, if, if your requested optimization didn't get prioritized at the top and it's not going to get done or not going to get done soon, at least you, at least there's a fair process mm-hmm. that we're, we're, where the right people, the right clinicians, not the IT folks, get together and and prioritize. Thanks.
0: So, in that governance process, that's that's always intrigued me. I've been part of those in the past committees or teams mm-hmm. around both as a vendor and as a as a, an acquisitions team. So, or an implementation team. So, the um, is there clarity in your? Pro- we don't need to spend the whole whole conversation mm-hmm. talking about this, but is there clarity in the process for the stakeholder? to understand the, the rationale for the deprioritization. So like you, you say no, do they get the feedback as to why?
1: Um, yes, hopefully, um, if, if someone is submitting something, we, so we have a, you know, voting membership on these different committees, but if somebody is suggesting something that's not on the committee, they can come in and mm-hmm. make their case. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it's, I'd say it's, 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 pretty transparent. That's good. Um, and then the other thing we're always trying to do is, um, Uh, There's a saying, not unique to Epic, but we like to say it a lot in in the Epic ecosystem of all the health systems that are on -hmm. Epic, is um, imitate to innovate. Okay. So probably someone else has built that thing that you ought to be using before. And um, it's a really good knowledge management um, platform that Epic uses. Uh, People get on there and say, hey, uh, we're having this problem what has everybody else done? And somebody else has something helpful for that. You go to the conferences, the, um, uh, they have uh, big conferences up in Madison, Wisconsin where they're headquartered every year. And they do a nice job of, of cherry picking the best innovation that other people have done. Mm, and there's okay. a culture of sharing. Nice. Uh, amongst so the healthcare community, amongst the, amongst the, healthcare the provider community. No. Okay. Yes. Yes. Nice. In fact, on a rare occasion, it's when people do try to actually make some money off of the things that they built in Epic. Uh-huh. That's people look down their nose at you. <laughs> okay. Try to do that. Yeah. Um. So, and only Epic's allowed
0: to make money on Epic, but nobody yeah, else. exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. There you go. You know, it's funny. People get, uh, sometimes people will, um, Get bent out of shape about that? Like I, I did something. Then Epic put it in the you know system for for everybody else. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's good. That's the <laughs> right. way it's supposed to work. You know, we that's, have a that's with, a win for, for the patient. It, it right? and something like I think it's nineteen of the top twenty hospital systems in in the US as as ranked by US News World Report, which yeah. which some people think is a good way of doing it. Some people don't, but mm-hmm. for, whatever, for whatever that's worth, um, are are on Epic. So there's there's definitely it's uh, it's an interesting story of. Um, a, a female entrepreneur that started Epic mm-hmm. 42, 43 years ago, um, never took it, never took outside money, never went public Interesting and and had a, had a strong vision for the patient being at the center of, of, mm. the, of the health record. Mm. Um, and so, um, so it's a, it, it's a good story. Um, we're, we're happy that we're on Epic and we do, and even though Dayton Children's is on the very small end of Epic customers. Mm-hmm. So like a really small rural hospital is not going to be on Epic. Like a critical access hospital is okay. not going to be on Epic okay. because, because you have to have a certain amount of resources to really just to make to it worth it, well. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so Dane Children's is a $600 million revenue, which is mm-hmm. not a small company, mm-hmm. but in health and health system terms, sure. it's a small company. Gotcha. And okay. so we typically we're not doing a whole lot of, truly groundbreaking things, but we are through this community, we are able to deliver really top-notch care because we're, you know, sort of leveraging all these best practices that, yeah. that people are doing. Now there's a few areas we have done some um, innovative work. Um, one of the, uh, that, that half of our IT team that is doing this type of configuration, a lot of them are clinicians, nurses, really? pharmacists okay. that that bring all their, um, clinical expertise okay. into the work that they're doing configuring Epic. In fact, we recently started doing the oncology module of Epic, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that we had two former oncology nurses working on our team that wow. they could then, then start building that, that part of the tool. Okay, so, interesting. Anyways, one of the nurses uh, on our team decided that we, had, we needed a better um, um, acuity system on the inpatient, and what that means is measuring how resource intensive different patients are in the hospital mm-hmm. so that when the next patient comes on the floor, you have two nurses that are already taking care of three patients and one of them is going to get a fourth patient to take care of. Mm-hmm. Which, which nurse should get that based on the acuity of the three sure. that are already taken? So the demand for patients patient not all equal, right? Exactly. So, okay. And there were some adult models mm-hmm. that had been built for that, but, a, but nobody had yet built a good pediatric model. Okay. And so, so um, one of the folks on our team built that, and our clinicians liked it, and we presented, and then we went and presented at the Epic conference. And the other pediatric hospital said, "Oh, that's great! Can we can we borrow that?" Okay. Um, something else cool we're working on is um, so monetizing that is just off the table. Sorry, my my capitalist brain. (laughs) Yeah, like going back to that same conversation. The culture is 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 not to do that. But I mean, I think if everybody did that. Then, then you, it'd be you like would be like slow down, down the, the process. You would yeah. absolutely slow down the innovation. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny in healthcare. If, if you're, um, you're you're only you're really only competing with the people next door to you. So yeah. so so, Kettering and Premier are fierce, sure. you know, competitors. When I was at Mercy, you know, fierce com- competitors with uh, you know TriHealth and mm-hmm. UC. And, uh, but everybody else, yeah, there's, there's they're colleagues and friends, and right. they're
0: all part of the same community, right. the same network. Yeah. Exactly.
1: It's an interesting uh, culture. It is. Yeah. Um, you may have, have you heard about uh, social determinants of health? Uh,
0: yes, I've heard. I've been in conversations or I've, I've been around in the room in those conversations we're having.
1: Yeah. So, the, so, so there's growing recognition that we really need to pay more attention to all these social determinants that affect uh, our patients, particularly um, uh, patients in lower socioeconomic status. Okay. And um and the fact that what happens in the doctor's office is a you know, a infinitesimally small fraction of their life. Sure. And right. if we if we want to really care for the whole person and um in 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 accountable care models where health systems as they should be are increasingly incented to um keep patients healthy and out of the hospital right. instead of just get paid when they come to the right. hospital. That's right. Um, or a guest we I we were, we were
0: talking about some data work he was doing around exactly that. It's a kind yeah. of a conversion of, from fee for service to uh, exactly, kind of outcome based. And it's very difficult
1: models. to do because you're really yeah, turning the whole economic model um, uh, on its head, that's right. Uh, but, it, but it's the right thing to do, and uh, but but but, anyways, in that model, all this social determinants uh, work becomes more important. And we've been doing a lot of that. A lot of people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people are actually doing it. We are doing it at Dayton Children's. Okay. And we have a, a Center for Health Equity um, that is focused on that. We have uh, care coordinators and social workers that spend a lot of time on this. So we have, we have social determinants questionnaires okay. that, that patient, patient families can take um, uh, typically, not exclusively, but typically uh, families that are on Medicaid. And about half of our patients are on Medicaid okay, because of the uh, uh, children's health insurance program.
0: Oh, right. Um, okay.
1: And so, uh, so anyways, what that looks like is we, we have these questionnaires, maybe they identify that there has some food insecurity, and then our social worker can go into our EHR and say, okay, this patient needs a, you know, their kid just got uh, diagnosed with diabetes, we're doing some education for them. They live in a food desert, mm. and uh, here's a food pantry that's a mile from their home mm. with one click. Because the EHR is integrated with a uh, system that uh, that has information on all the community benefit organizations. Okay, um, and so we're just making it a little bit easier for our clinicians to help our patients out with with those kinds of things. And something um, innovative that we are doing there. Is in a perfect world, uh, every patient family has taken one of these questionnaires. But in the real world, that doesn't really happen. Right. And so, um, because we have a relatively small primary care footprint where we're administering those surveys, mm-hmm. um, but most of the patients are coming into our emergency room. Uh, they're seeing other pediatricians in the community um, that are not on Epic. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, we can have some critically ill um, kids that um, uh, are relatively new to Dayton Children's, and we have not had time to administer that survey. Okay. Then what we can do is take the address, geocode it, map it to a census track. Okay. And so census tracks being smaller than zip codes, because you, you can't do this at the zip code level, because within zip codes, you can have very different uh, neighborhoods, very sure, different yeah. socioeconomic neighborhoods. Sure, so, in real estate
0: for a while. You, yeah. There's a few neighborhoods in the in the region where within a block, you know, you've got you've got kind of A grade or B plus grade properties yeah. right next to C minus properties. So.
1: Exactly. Um, and so some researchers, some academic researchers put together this thing called um, Child Opportunity Index that takes all that socioe- socioeconomic scoring that the government does, okay. and then buckets that into things that are meaningful for pediatric care. Hmm. So there's a, um, there's a, like a health and environmental focus. There's an educational focus. There's a um, sort of overall socioeconomic focus. And then Mm -hmm. there's one that buckets all of those. Mm. And so we can then use that. We're just implementing this now, but we can then use that both in our analytics at a population level Mm. and do some interesting studies on that. And what, how should we how should we do our interventions, our, our, our like neighborhood interventions and where mm-hmm. where are our patients coming from that have these issues? And how do how do those scores correlate with some of the disease states that we see? Interesting. Um and then also do it um at at an individual patient level. Yeah. And actually nobody has done that yet is use these this particular um pediatric focused socioeconomic scores. There's, mm-hmm. there's an adult one. Uh, the adult medicine always happens first because that's, there's they're, just, safer there's to mess less, with. they're just bigger. Yeah, there's just more, uh, uh, but it, it, pediatrics is sort of the second fiddle for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes sense it's second, but it uh, shouldn't be forgotten, obviously. Right. And so, uh, so the pediatric community, um, you know, advocates for, Uh, for these tools uh being Hmm. available and and implementing them so all the the um the pediatrics community that are on epic are um we're actually um going up to visit some of the senior folks at epic um next month to talk about those things like what are how can we how can we as a pediatric community better um ask the epic developers to build things to support pediatrics Mm -hmm. with some with some groupthink, the good kind of groupthink. Right. Right. <laughs> so what, what are <laughs> Not really the kind, people, that what, what kind are of knows every kind of initiative? <laughs> things, you know, weird yeah. things that you wouldn't think of that, you know, adolescent privacy is Is this is, is mind-bendingly complex thing where um, for for example, access into the patient portals, mm-hmm. um in every every different state has different ages at which an adolescent has the privacy rights oh, wow. to kick their parents out of, out of their patient okay. portal. so okay. That has to be implemented differently. Wow. Um, you have to be very sensitive to these things. So that 14 year old that has the legal right to kick mom and dad out, right. but can't drive to the appointment yet. Interesting. And how, how, do you, how do you handle that? Well, you handle that by having a different flavor of the patient portal access that shows mom and dad when the appointment is, but doesn't show mom and dad the notes from that appointment. Wow, what about the implications and that, and that, of a hospital
0: that's in, a, in a, you know on a border where half the population is in one jurisdiction and half's in another? Uh, I'm just thinking yes, about the that, level of complexity. Exactly. That, that, and
1: that's just one of a, exactly. a trillion things, right? One of a trillion things. And and some of the privacy laws, you know, uh, you know, Europe has done this GDPR thing, California's mm. done its own thing. What's not going to be doable is every state comes up with a new privacy law. Mm. It would be un It'd be impossible for not just healthcare yeah. for all businesses. To do. So yeah. with that, that, that screams out for some sort of national standard.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. What a trip. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about the determinants of, uh, of health outcomes, oh. I was thinking about the, um, uh, outcome based payments, right. uh, obviously lends to, um, more efficient healthcare services. I'm, I've got a guest coming in a couple of weeks talking about her startup, which is, a uh, it's called Sure Impact, and as I understand mm-hmm. it, that's something that uh, has a, an outcome-based measurement of social services, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna explore that with her, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that, but uh, that might be a point of interest that, that we can share as well.
1: Yeah, a lot so, of incredible innovation going on out there. The challenge is, and this is what my consulting practice focuses on, Yeah, is helping people with good ideas actually make things work in healthcare in a commercializable way and understanding who is actually gonna be interested in that and who can use that and how we can integrate that in, into clinical workflow.
0: That's a great segue because, into your consulting yeah. practice then. Do, right. do you yeah. find
1: that that kind of
0: applicable implementation in a large health system is, mm-hmm. is the challenge? Um, like what is the, the biggest difficulty that you're running into when you're, you're helping
1: these sure uh, so, startups and such? So, so our health system, so the economics behind our health system are crazy complex, mm-hmm. right? And it would be nice if they weren't that way, um, but they are. That's sort mm-hmm. of the reality of our health system. And so you, you have to have more than just a good idea. Mm-hmm. And what tends to happen in healthcare venture capital is you have a bored billionaire in the Bay Area that likes to write people $10 million checks before breakfast to go mm-hmm. transform healthcare. Sure. And then you have really earnest people that are gonna go transform healthcare with $10 million in their pocket. And they mm-hmm. come up with some good idea that'll never ever, mm-hmm. that'll never ever work. Mm-hmm. Um, so part part of it is who's actually gonna buy that and implement it given the way that the money works in healthcare. Okay. Number two is, You may have a good idea. It may be affordable. Somebody may want to pay for it, but it's not going to be usable by doctors and nurses if it's not integrated into their clinical workflow. Mm -hmm. And that clinical workflow is in the EHR. So you have to integrate it with the EHR. And so you have to think about that. And with the advancement of better, better APIs in and out of um, EHRs, which the government has played a a. positive role in, in standardizing uh, some of those APIs. And okay. so so that, that's, it's made it a lot easier just in the last few years than it was previously. Um, but th- that's something else I've seen. Like we can take your data out and do some fancy analytics on it and give you some fancy risk score. Okay, how are you going to get that to the doctor at the point of care? Well, we haven't figured that part out yet. Well, <laughs> that's
0: useless. Just drive over here and look yeah. at it on paper, Yeah, right? <laughs> right. So you, you do a little bit of healthcare uh, consulting, mm-hmm. right? Um, appreciate you touching on that. You do a couple of other things too. Is it, is it okay if we uh, yeah. mm-hmm. sure. discuss some of those things too? So you, you do a
1: little bit of marketing consulting? So, I, um, so my uh, wife and I, when we became empty nesters a couple years ago, mm-hmm. we decided to move downtown Dayton. Okay, and um, and we are happy residents of downtown Dayton with all the uh, awesome restaurants and bars we can walk to in uh, in uh, ten minutes. In the last, I don't know, five years, Mm -hmm. Uh, we managed to time the movement uh, to um, April twenty twenty when
0: the pandemic (laughs) started. Everything shut down, so um,
1: so the walking to all the bars and restaurants had to take a little bit of delay. Um, I was so I found myself in the situation of um, no soccer games to go to anymore, right? No lawn work to do anymore because we lived in a in a townhome, um, and some some time on my hands and tuition bills to pay. So I <laughs> uh, and I was reading about the arcade uh, hub going yeah, in. I was just there last week. Uh, yeah. a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. What a great story for Dayton, you know, and if you haven't seen the, have you seen those Awakening the Giant um, uh, documentary pieces? No. Oh, they're, they're brilliant. You have to watch that. Um, so I was reading about that and thinking, you know, it would be fun to do something entrepreneurial, hobby entrepreneurial, not real entrepreneur, real entrepreneurs quit their jobs and start something else. <laughs> right. That's not me. <laughs> i'm a hobby entrepreneur <laughs> um but i thought that my i had done some web development in the early days of mm-hmm. wordpress I played around with some things and what i like about uh, the web development side of things it's you know half techie and half really creative yeah, stuff sure. and, and and business strategy okay. um, so um, i thought you know what i could start something have a little office down there um have some uh, university of dayton students um as interns because of course Uh, University of Dayton's doing their entrepreneurial programs down there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I decided to um, do this. And my my wife said to me, so we've been married for 25 years. You've never, ever said anything about doing anything entrepreneurial. I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, why not? (laughs) So what came out of that was a uh, very small, very part-time, um internet marketing agency okay and i found a little niche for myself um in in some of the business networking that i do through um do you know bni business networking international yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so i'm in this really awesome uh uh, bni group uh that's sort of become family we get together once a week um with other you know small business owners and i realized there was a there's a there's a niche for small business owners that need some internet marketing but don't have the money to go pay the, like the, yeah. I don't know, bigger big agencies big agencies mm-hmm. that are gonna charge them lots of money for mm-hmm. sometimes a relatively, they need a simple website. They need right. a, an attractive, mobile responsive, secure That's website. Right. And that can be pretty do, lightweight these days. And that can be pretty lightweight yeah. these days. And so with WordPress and the appropriate WordPress plugins that do mm-hmm. the things that you need to do, yeah. Um, and then some lightweight, um, social media management, mm-hmm. um, and then some search engine optimization. Okay. So I can deliver that and a sort of a, a, lower priced, um, subscription model. Nice. And so I, um, do some of that. It's kind of, it's awesome. Fun thing. Yeah.
0: You know, what I find is that as you get into, I guess maybe the last, I don't, I don't know how long, 10 plus years I've been, um, more in management than in doing stuff. Right. That you kind of miss getting your hands dirty a little mm-hmm. bit. And it's fun to just build something. Right, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. So I was I'm trying to think, I was building something physical the other day. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, I was I built a little uh knife throwing board mm-hmm. that my stepfather and I were mm-hmm. gonna uh, uh, play around with. And so um it's a fun little wood project mm-hmm. or whatever. And and I, I after tinkering with that, I felt this kind of satisfaction that you right. don't often feel when you're pushing right. emails around, right. right? Exactly. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Or right. you're having negotiations or whatever else right. you do for business, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, but actually, kind of doing the work is uh, is fun. Not that leadership's not its own job; it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it's just harder to see a, a real clear, measurable. Like I did that. Absolutely. When you impact somebody's life, which is maybe the most satisfying thing, it's right. always some degree of influence. It's hard right. to measure. You don't. You don't always even know. Right. Right. right, that you're doing, you're just kind of trusting mm-hmm. that you are. But it's fun to build something, though. It is fun to kind of look back and say, "Hey, I put that together. That's right. cool. Hey, check this out." Yeah, exactly. It.
1: And then and the business strategy part of that is fun too. So you know, I've got uh, the, uh, the really just a handful, couple handfuls of of customers, but everybody's doing yeah. something different. In fact, one of the yep. things I put in my contracts is if if you hire me to help you out. I I won't work with one of your competitors, one of your local okay. competitors. <laughs> that's generous. Which which means that I only have one plumbing customer.
0: <laughs> right, that's cool. Um,
1: that's so, really cool. Uh, but but uh, yes, but that's a that's a. Um, I might uh, introduce, introduce
0: a, my little brother. He runs a hardwood yeah. hardwood flooring company. Oh yeah, and you mentioned plumber, and then that's the kind of person who's either out on the road or whatever else, um, and you, you don't have time to tinker with website right, exactly. stuff, right? You've right. got your own like technical competency or whatever that you have to focus on. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a, that's a kind of a great uh, service that you provide for somebody who just doesn't have the desk. Exactly. To that kind of stuff.
1: Yep. That's cool. Yeah. And competing against that company. That's the medium size instead of the small. Yeah. That has that. that office. You may just that your business may fail. If you get a few kick, cause that's just the way people find it. That's right. If you need a plumber, you pick, take out your phone. You yeah. Tell a plumber Siri certainly to find doesn't a need plumber. a
0: Certainly yep. doesn't need a big heavy invoice, you know, every quarter or whatever for some yep. custom build or whatever. Mm. That's, that's that's too much. So we've kind of we kind of jumped through a couple of your passions, and mm. you mentioned something uh, before we started recording about uh, electoral reform. Yes, it was kind of intriguing. Um, yeah. So how do you? And I was tempted to I like, kind of unpack all of that, but. Mm. Uh, we waited, so I have no idea what you're about to say. But <laughs> sure, yeah. So
1: um, this might I be have, our first
0: controversial take on the uh, yeah. the being Bill podcast. Uh, hopefully, this so, is not
1: controversial. No, let's hear about um, it. Well, I'm curious it, what you it, got it, to do? People that would object to this are the totalitarians on uh, either side of the political okay. spectrum. So I don't know how many of those out of your thousands of listeners, of, uh, know, right. you know, how many of those you have. Um, I have been a uh, political independent since forever. Uh, never okay. really identified with with either uh, political party, okay. and as I've watched, you know what's happened recently with a you know the hyper partisanship going mm-hmm. on in in Congress. And Congress has something like a fifteen percent approval rating among Americans. Sure, you know? sure. And um, and I don't think I have to convince anybody that Congress is like utterly dysfunctional, okay. right? And so one thing that would help is if we can have more uh, elections that are decided in November instead of where a lot of congressional elections are decided in the spring in the primaries where the only people that vote are the fringe voters mm-hmm. okay. that are voting for the fringe candidates. Okay. And so that's why we have hyperpartisanship. So the combination mm-hmm. of of gerrymandering mm-hmm. of you know packing uh and and uh, more recently with now the data tools we have available, the gerrymandering gets worse and worse sure right because um, it's more effective it's, it's more effective, effective <laughs> exactly to yeah um and so uh what can we do about that well, every state controls how the elections are done in their state sure. And so um Alaska has already done this, Nevada has already done this. You have in the primaries, you have a uh top top four or five. Five is the best way of doing it for various reasons. Um uh people go to the primary, you don't get a Republican ballot or a Democratic ballot, you get all the candidates running and you vote for your choice, and the top five go through to the to November, to the election in November. Then you do ranked choice voting. And so uh, in order to win, you have to get over 50%. And if nobody gets 50%, then you take the uh, the, the, the candidates with the least votes and you're, you, you take those votes away from them, they drop out, and then, then the second choice gets the votes. And that happens over and over until somebody gets 50%. Okay, so ranked they- choice, as
0: I understand it, everybody chooses where they rank each of the candidates exactly. so you get a one to five scale. Yes, I skipped, what that. I skipped
1: that part of the actual voting. Thank yeah, you for okay. pointing and that out. I wasn't sure out. I that's, understood that's it how correctly. You get but... that. That's how you get that data. I should have pointed that out explicitly, right? So that's, so that's why you have the first, second, third choice, uh, fourth, fifth, if there's if there's five candidates, one, two, three, four, five. Um, and so if your number one um, is on the bottom and votes get reapportioned, then you, then you're get your vote, goes to your number two. Gotcha. Yeah. Until somebody gets to 50. What that does is okay. it lets um, people vote for who they really want to vote for instead of who they think, instead can, of win. Who they think can win. Mm-hmm. And, and also it just lets more moderate candidates get on the ballot um, in the first place. Yeah. So um, that is, I think that's a way to go that if we can get this on the ballot in Ohio, I'm so I'm working on it. So, so, um, Ranked to Vote Ohio is the organization that I'm doing some volunteer work with. Also, Veterans for Political Innovation is another group. That's a national group. Um, And so we're advocating for these. for, for doing this and and hopefully getting something on the ballot in twenty twenty four. Interesting. Um that would of course not affect the voting in 2024 or affect in 2026, right, hopefully. So. Um but you know if we can get that on the ballot, when you think about it, like who the only people that are gonna really be against it are some of the um uh because the Republicans control the state house in um in Ohio. Um and did you see in the news today? The uh, no. former, the former speaker of the house, the <laughs> it, it just got booted out for his. He was he was so corrupt he actually got booted out by the. Oh, interesting. By the other Republicans. Okay. Um, so well, I didn't catch the um, uh, You know, if you're a true believer, um, Republican, and you, and, and then maybe you would not want that. Okay. But all the moderates and the Democrats are going may, to maybe, they're not maybe some of the fringiest Democrats. Would also not want it because, you know, in the districts that are gerrymandered into being Democrat, Mm -hmm. they want to have the most progressive candidate. Okay, and this would maybe get a more so maybe some of them would be against it too. But the bottom line is, the seventy to eighty percent of us in the middle Mm -hmm. are going to vote. Are going to vote for this. Mm -hmm. So So Alaska has adopted it. Nevada has adopted it. Nevada has
0: adopted it. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, have they held elections yet? They have. Yes. Yes. Under Mm -hmm. those terms. Okay. Mm -hmm yeah kind of problems did they run into i wonder um, well, usually I, when something's I, new you you have to flush a few bugs out right <laughs> um, i apparently it's
1: gone that's gone pretty well okay yeah. good that's cool mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's interesting the idea of uh, you know a broader set of choices uh a re- more realistic reach to a broader set of choices right. in electoral politics is appealing i think to everybody um, except for those who hold a certain kind of power that's that's compromised with that kind of moves. So, right. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. We'll keep our eye on that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be something worth watching the news for. Definitely. The news for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Well, man, you've got your hands on a lot of different things mm-hmm. right? between, you know, building websites for small businesses mm-hmm. and doing some kind of like, uh, consulting for high tech companies, mm-hmm. trying to build innovations in healthcare.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then by the way, a- I should have mentioned, I'm not doing all the website building. No. Uh, I found okay. Another so so you got some people one some so people I took my I, I took my CIO yeah. skills of knowing how to evaluate talent on other people. Okay, and figuring out how to put that team together. Okay. And you're familiar with Upwork?
0: Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. So I went on Upwork. Uh-huh. I looked at some portfolios that other folks had done. So I work with a uh, young woman in Pakistan. Okay who's cool. a who's a, a full up developer work with a young man in uh, Poland okay. who is a uh, uh, WordPress developer, comes at it from a design perspective, was, okay. a, was a graphic designer first.
0: Okay. Um, See, here I'm picturing a, you doing, you're dragging well, and dropping I do the drop boxes.
1: Little, I, do yeah. <laughs> okay. I do a little bit of that. I do a little bit of just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and then also a uh, woman who's a Ukrainian who's currently living in uh Poland, yeah. who's been doing uh, technical SEO for 10 years. Okay, And so I I work with them on putting putting the uh, solutions together. I yeah. didn't want to give them the impression that I was gotcha. doing all of it. Well, and then the University of Dayton students, um, uh, University of Dayton uh, marketing students who have had the uh, digital marketing course um, that I'm actually doing a guest lecture in um, next week, talking about some of this stuff. Um, and they're very happy to have a paid internship to get some things on the resume to hopefully do this stuff, some of the stuff in the future. Um, so the, the, those are the folks that are doing a lot of the work. Yeah. I'm doing the meeting with a business owner, coming up with a plan, um, yeah. and, and getting things kicked off. So,
0: so yeah. Okay. Good for, thanks for clarifying. I don't think anybody was going to challenge your web development <laughs> resume or anything. <laughs> I know that's not about adding bullets yeah. to the resume for you as much right, as it is right. just Helping and hobbying, right? Yeah, right? right. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what what are you gonna get into next, man? You've got a few different that's directions. Probably, yeah, that's probably all I get time for. <laughs> that's yeah. all your wife can, can tolerate it, at it, this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
1: yeah.
0: you know, you kind of hit a lot of spots that I that I've worked in. You know, I worked for large Medicaid minister administrator, administrator mm-hmm. in town here, and um, the uh, so kind of the uh, paying for outcomes thing was just starting when I when I was uh, last mm-hmm. year there. Um, then obviously social. Uh, kind of in, impact based or social uh, determinants of health obviously is a real sensitive thing that you're, you're working on that. I, I think everybody cares a lot about. Um, nobody yep. feels like that, you know, disadvantage. That, that kind of speaks to me too, because I, you know, I grew up on food stamps and I've stood in a couple of bread lines and that mm-hmm. kind of thing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's some of those programs, obviously much more, um, um, much less data was involved in those mm-hmm. programs when I was, recipient of those things right. in, in california Anyway, okay, speaking the, of care
1: source uh, um one thing that and that's something else i'm working on so i'm on the board of ascend innovations okay which is a uh, local company that is owned by the local health systems right um and so we one of the things that ascend is working on is a is an application called positively that is aimed at high school students okay to for for them to feel comfortable reaching out when they're having some behavioral health crises and asking questions. Interesting. And CareSource has invested in that because um, they see that as innovative and as they're bidding in other states to become the- That's a resource they can bring to market. That's a a resource that they can uh, bring to market. That's intriguing. So that's that's something else really cool. And- Who's building uh, that? Like who's who's in charge of it? Ascend, yeah. Like who, a person. (laughs) Who personally you know? ascend? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Matt Matt riser has been involved in that. Okay. They hired someone else recently who I've met. Something cool about Ascend. It's also uh uh cool to talk about about Dayton. Yeah. And, and also bring in my 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 Air Force history here mm-hmm. is one of the one of the many cool things about Dayton, and the reason I'm proud to call it my adopted home, is there are so many super smart people here in Dayton because of the air force research lab and Mm -hmm. what's going on there. So a lot of your tax dollars go to, um, you know, the, the air force focused on, um, how do we bring technology and not only make the air force better, but Mm -hmm. what are some things we can invest on that can then also translate into commercializable things in the private sector. Um, and so in my, my last five years in the air force, when I was in, um, uh, DC, where a lot of people, you know, finished out their military career. I was doing acquisition and some science and technology stuff within within the medical field, okay, similar to what the seven uh, eleven Human Systems Wing is, which is the sort of sort of kind of medical part. What the research now. lab, yeah, right. But there are so many crazy smart people that came out of that, and then like my wife and I did decided to actually make Dayton our home. We mm-hmm. were stationed at Wright Patterson, had been earlier. In, my Air Force career but stationed at Wright Patterson. you know, the joke about Wright Patterson is uh young single people in the Air Force, they're at Wright Patterson and the Air Force says it's time to move on, mm-hmm. they're like, Okay, well send me someplace more interesting than Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> people with families, yeah, when it's time to move on, they say, Wait a second. Can we just my stay spouse here? doesn't want my spouse and kids don't want to leave. Yeah. What remote assignment can you send me on so my family can stay yeah, here? That's interesting. And so my wife and I um, didn't do that exact thing, but we, we we moved on. Did a couple other assignments. Finished up in DC. I retired from the Air Force, and we made so many great friends here. Mm-hmm. We said, and our daughters were elementary age, and we said, let's go back to Dayton. Yeah. But there, um, through my both Air Force connections and just uh, friends and business connections um i've met so many like genius level people working working on things Mm -hmm. um that sort of cross the government sector and the private sector and because of my background i understand both of those worlds yeah and how things work in those worlds and so there's a whole way of getting funded on the government side and there's a whole way of getting funded on the commercial side a lot of people don't understand both of those Worlds right. And they try to cross, and they don't really understand how that works. You know, what do you mean? I got to wait two years to get the government
0: <laughs> contracts.
1: You know, I know but just enough that, that, that super contract that you are going to get is Small Business Innovation Research. Yep. can fund some really cool things. I am mm-hmm. um, also I've also heard of them funding some sort of dumb things, but mostly they fund they fund cool things that can turn into commercializable.
0: Oh, yeah, nice. they, between the between the base, defense, healthcare, and the startup mm-hmm. community, that's kind of the world that I live in these right. days. Yeah, and all of them are really funded in in um, unconventional ways, mm-hmm. I guess. Not by consumers buying stuff. Mm-hmm. You got venture capital. You've got kind of insurance, mm-hmm. and then you've got uh government funded programs and very complex acquisition processes yeah. and, but for whatever reasons my executive search business has is kind of thriving in those three pockets so right. it's kind of funny yeah. you and i are Eds, meds and feds right,
1: right. yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's by the way it reminds
1: me i've got another guy for your podcast oh the yeah, many, yeah uh, good good yeah. it's yeah. always fun to have,
0: have new faces and yeah i love yeah. you know getting better acquainted with people i i know and i've known mm-hmm. for a while like yourself and then um on a couple of occasions now I've had people in here that I've met them here and that's really fun too. Mm-hmm. So, cause then you're really kind of approaching the conversation with complete mm-hmm. naivety and, and just it's curiosity leads the way, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for the sake of time. we got to cut it short. I could, we could, we could go on for hours yeah. and, and, and hopefully we will. Um, mm-hmm. there's plenty more cocktails in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being a guest on the show. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, maybe we can do it again. After, uh, after the laws passed, and there you has an Sounds update on the project. A, of a victory party yeah. for, cool. for
1: uh, ranked choice voting. Sounds cool. good. Thanks, JD. Right.
0: Appreciate you, man. Thanks.